As we begin a new school year here, a lot of parents are thinking about a lot of different things. And today on the Thriving Student Podcast, we're going to be talking about your child's emotional health as we start the school year. I'm John Fuller, and we'll be addressing some serious topics along the way, including fears your child is facing about school and bullying. Um, my co-host is our Vice President of Parenting and Youth here at Focus on the Family, Danny Huerta. And Danny, you're a counselor. Uh, what are some of the fears that parents have about their kids going back to school? Well, there are many fears that we carry as parents. And currently in our culture today, bullying physically and online are concerns. And top of mind for a lot of parents is that uh, kids can say whatever they want on social media and gather a large number of kids around them. Uh, to to bully them, and that can create uh, not only verbal violence but also physical violence down the road. Mm. And school shootings is a part of the fears, and and many other fears, including wanting their kids to be successful at school and completing school well. Yeah, I uh, I was bullied as a kid, and I did not have the the worry of online stuff. It was just a couple of kids in the neighborhood that were bigger and older and stronger, and they just wanted to have have at me. Um, it's a way different scenario now, and I think the unknown brings a lot of fears into parents' minds, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, the unknowns of, of the culture today, but uh, and, and also just the amount of news covering many tragedies that are ha- happening in the schools and all around us. And with social media, we get an, an influx of, of a lot of bad news. And I think as parents, we have to slow down and figure out how much of that we're going to watch and how much of that we're going to need to talk through with our kids and as, as parents also dealing with our own fears that come from watching too much mm. news and media, there's a lot of good news out there, and we need to pay attention to it. I appreciate that. We're going to turn now to a conversation, uh, Danny, that you had with Dr. Kevin Lehman. He is a renowned author and speaker, and he himself experienced some bullying as a kid uh, many years ago, but he's written about it. I think this is a really important topic, and let's go ahead and listen now, and here's Dr. Lehman. I think you have to re-examine the child's State of the Union address. And by that I mean um, take a look at your kid's world. Yeah, I understand that kids are almost anesthetized today to school shootings, gang violence, you name it. It's out there. But take a look at your kid's world for just a second and define it for me. Isn't it their home, their apartment? Their pet goldfish, Little Gill, comes from one of my favorite movies. What about Bob? <laughs> I had to sneak that in there. Um, grandma, Grandpa, Auntie, Uncle. A kid's world basically is pretty small mm-hmm. until you put that little Goliath in their hand, the cell phone. And that opens up the whole world to them, unfortunately. So I would say, first of all, you have to understand that Well-meaning adults have put uh, missing children on milk bottles, on milk Mm -hmm. cartons. Is that a good idea? Little kids eating his crispy critters and sees 12 pictures of little kids who are missing, and they can read. Uh, Mommy, why are these kids missing? Oh, somebody uh, kidnapped them. Kidnapped them? What does that mean, Mommy? It means somebody, you know, came and took them away. They found a way to get them in their car and took them away from their mom and dad. Really? Is that a good idea? I mean, most of the kidnappings of young children are from guess who? 
They're from family. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. many times in our society, we have unknowingly created chaos and fear among kids needlessly. There's enough real fear out there to go around, trust me. So you reassure your child, and you realize as a parent you're the psychological blankie for your son or your daughter. And just reassuring words that, honey, I know, but, you know, that happened. Let's get a map out. Let's make it a, a geography lesson. We live in Seattle. Let's see if we can find Lakeland, Florida. Right. Okay? And that was a long way away from us. Now, Kevin, one of the one of the interesting things is that each age and stage of life of these children, some parents obviously have three kids, four kids, maybe five, multiple age kids. How would a parent handle it differently with a young kid compared to a high school a kid that's that's afraid to go to school? The reality of being afraid of that. A good point. You've got a kid in first grade, a little six-year-old ankle biter, and he reports that this little kid named Roger was rougher with him on the playground. Okay, uh, without pointing fingers, you say, "Honey, um, tell me more about that." Now it's interesting that the words "tell me more about that." doesn't put up defenses in anybody, not in a 6-year-old or a 16-year-old. If you're talking to a boy and say, tell me more about it, they'll talk your ear off. Okay? Give us permission to talk without asking why, and we'll talk. So, and they just let it out, right? Yeah. I mean, that the child is going to yeah. let you know where their mind is at. So explore yeah. that. So, okay, so little Roger got rough with you. Uh, what did he do? Well, he knocked me down. Uh, what did you do? Did you get up? Well, yeah, I got up. Good. You know, when when you get knocked down the playground, that's what you do. You get up. Now, you might find out in further conversation it happened nine times. There's a difference in nine times and once. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind that with young kids, you you answer the question. If a kid asks you what time it is, tell them what time it is. Lots of times as parents, we want to tell little Buford not only what time it is, but how Big Ben was made, manufactured, distributed throughout the U.S., Canada, and the Virgin Islands. We talk too much. Mm -hmm. So the littler the kid, the simpler the answer. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, And it would make sense to keep media away from these guys because they think it's it's coming to their world, right? If if a shooting happened on TV, it must have happened next door. It's going to happen. I know in my counseling practice when, when young kids have come in, they assume it's happening in their house uh, at their school next, and that because they've processed something I've seen on TV, and like you said before, the geography is not really playing for a young child. So parents have to watch well, on the, the media, but also being able, to, like you said, to listen to what is really their anxiety. Is it that it's coming there? Is it about going to school? What is the real anxiety that's happening to little Johnny, as you're saying? And so then the high school kid, as he's going to to school. And is is anxious and and is is really uh, feeling like someone in the in the school is going to be the next shooter. What can a parent do for that for well, that particular team? Danny, let's go back to that kid that uh, you, you use the term anxiety. Well, if a kid doesn't deal with his fears, his everyday life, from the kid who pushes him down in the playground, and and how do you deal with that, mom or dad? You teach your kid to go up to that kid and say, hey, 
I don't like it when you push me down. Don't do that. If you do that again, I'm going to I'm gonna tell Miss Smith, the teacher, okay? Mm-hmm. That sounds like you're creating a little narc. I don't mean to do that. I'm just saying you have to give the kids some available tools at that level to deal with that. To manage with the bullying as it's coming at them. But see, if a kid mm-hmm. doesn't get that, then he gets uh, anxiety that's rather free-floating, and all of a sudden he's afraid about everything. Mm-hmm. He's a little fraidy cat. Well, put a kid who's a fraidy cat, to use a psychological clinical term, in a peer group, and those kids will tear that kid apart. They'll tear mm-hmm. him apart. Uh, you got a kid that's afraid of spiders? Don't let on you're afraid of spiders, 8-year-old <laughs> or 12-year-old. Now, to the point of older kids, where lots of times you would tell kids, hey, you know, fight back a little bit. Don't be afraid to push back on some things. These days, when you start talking about middle school kids up, these days they have guns, knives. So that traditional fight back, stand up, doesn't hold water. Mm-hmm. But I always told my kids when they went out, I always said, remember, you're a Lehman. <laughs> and once in a seminar in the Midwest, a lady asked me what that meant. I said, I don't have a clue what that means. It just means, remember, you're a Lehman. <laughs> yeah, just in remember your words, last name. Just in remember. other words, the, <laughs> don't forget your last name. You know, very good point. Danny, you are so sharp. Uh, but the point is that there's an expectation there that you're giving to the kid. It's not a negative expectation. It's a positive one. Remember, you're a Lehman. Yeah, the ownership. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always say that that little oh-oh. I talk to my kids about that little oh-oh. Um, they're in a situation, all of a sudden, the lights go on, so to speak. Uh-oh, this doesn't seem right. I always told the kids, that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, back off, get out. And I've always told my kids, if you're in a situation, you don't know what else to do, you call good old dad, no questions asked, I'll come get you. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we have to come alongside of our kids so our kids always know, no matter what, we have their back. But equipping them to handle adversity as they face it. Yeah, they have to run toward the fear. Mm-hmm. And telling kids to run toward the fear when they actually don't want to they don't want to go to school, they want to stay home because they think that kid's going to beat the tar out of them. In, in this case, what is the difference between courage and bravery as a parent is teaching these characteristics in their child? Because that's what you're talking about. You're I think, talking about bravery and courage. What's I, the difference? I think belief in your child, I'm not so sure there's a big difference in courage and bravery. Uh, there sure is between courage, bravery, and stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think when you say to a kid, honey, I know this is difficult, but nobody knows you much better than me and your mom, and I think you can handle this. Yeah. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying, hey, I believe in you. Uh, Kenny Rogers was right. He sang that song, She Believes in Me, okay? And I always tell people, when you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there by himself. Yeah. And I'd ask every parent listening to us right now, who believed in you? Well, and that, this, that's addressing the topic of fitting in, right? A lot of kids don't feel like they fit in, and you're giving them the courage to know how to fit in and maybe sometimes stand out if, if they need to. And how do you, how do you help a parent uh, counsel their child as they're coming home saying, I'm, I'm not fitting in, I don't feel like I fit in, or you notice that with your child? How do you, how do you talk to that parent? Well, the, the irony is they fit in on Tuesday, but now it's Friday, and they no longer fit in. And this is where the relationships, the best friends forever, who dumps you, and now there's another click, and you're the odd man out. I always tell parents, 
you know, honey, that, that's got to hurt. It's got to hurt. Anytime when you're odd man out and you're left out or somebody says something really nasty to you, our carnal nature, who we are, says run away from this. We don't hang out with people we're uncomfortable with. Yeah. We don't hang out with people who make us feel uncomfortable. But what I've found out in counseling parents with kids is, hey, honey, you know what? I'm 28 years older than you. Let me just run something by it. You don't have to do this. It's simply a suggestion. I know you don't want to go to school tomorrow, but trust me, you're going to be at school tomorrow. And when you go to lunch, I have a suggestion. Look for that kid that's all by himself and sit across from him. Introduce yourself. To so being a noticer, right? I'm, I'm, I'm Jamie Smith. I've never had the pleasure of meeting you. And then after school, just tell me how that conversation went and how it made you feel. And what you've done there is you have replaced unkindness. Is there a word unkindness? <laughs> it is right now. It is right yeah, now. We're right going to go with it. Unkindness. We, we got, Write that yeah. down, everybody. We've gone from not being kind to outreach into someone else's life. How does that feel? It ought to feel great because that's really a biblical teaching. Mm -hmm. You turn the other cheek. But finding something to fill that void, that hurt, that makes you feel like I've made a difference in somebody else's life. Let me be clear about this. Kids are hedonistic little suckers. They care about no one but themselves from the day they're born until they grow up and mature. But God gave us parents for a reason. So when I call it slipping a kid a commercial announcement, because remember I said, honey, you don't have to do this. It's just an idea. Yeah. It's just a thought. Give that kid the right to accept or reject your little commercial. But if he or she bites and puts that into practice, it's going to be pretty cool. Learn more about how you can have those kind of heart-to-heart -heart conversations with your kids that Dr. Lehman is describing at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash ThrivingStudent. And while you're there, be sure to get a copy of Dr. Lehman's book called When Your Kid is Hurting. And while you're there, uh, be sure to sign up for our free Best Year Ever email resource that will be provided by our parenting department. Again, the website is FocusOnTheFamily.com slash ThrivingStudent. Uh, Danny, parents need to be pretty open to having conversations. It's it's hard to get into a conversation about kids and their fears, but uh, we have to be open to that, right? There has to be compassion and empathy as the as the first response to any child's fears. They're real to that child, and they may seem minimal at times to us as parents. Make sure you don't minimize it. It's big to the child in the moment. So listen carefully. Take the time to listen to what the real fear is and then asking, hey, what is it that you need from me? And allowing them to feel some sense of control when things feel out of control. Yeah, that's really important. And I must say, I do tend to fail at that. I tend to want to just minimize the feeling and move on. And you can do this. Listen, I'm going to encourage you to be proactive here as we're starting the school year. Stop by FocusOnTheFamily.com slash ThrivingStudent. Read some of the articles that Danny has written that the team is providing there. And be ready in case something happens. You need to be ready when something happens, not after the fact. Um, now, there are other areas that can affect your child's emotional health, not just uh, really traumatizing events that affect a whole school, 
But there's bullying, whether they're bullied or seeing somebody get bullied, or maybe they are the bully. There are things that you need to know as a parent. And we're going to turn now to a great expert on this topic, Nancy Rue. She's had to deal with bullying on a personal level with her own children. And she talked with Jim Daly and me about how you can have the conversation with your child about bullying. Bullying came close to your own family, right? Or it actually it impacted it your did. family, your daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened there? Uh, my daughter was a little bit on the tomboyish side. And to this day, she dresses more in a bohemian you know, yeah, kind right. of style. And so it was the big sweatshirts and just kind of brush the hair and go off to school. And um, on the day that she was going to have her picture taken in the sixth grade, um, she decided she was going to dress up. And so she borrowed something of mine, and she did that. I don't know if you remember this, but that hairstyle where the bangs stood straight <laughs> up, like right? Yeah. And, and she borrowed a little bit of my lip gloss. She looked adorable. She went to school. And um, she got there early, and the two girls, Heidi and Haley, I'll never forget their names, the Shining Twins, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, they, and they made this big thing about Mary Jean. Do you have any mirrors in your house? You know, Heidi, you have mirrors in your house. Yes, I have mirrors in my house. Do you have mirrors in your house? And finally, Mary Jean said, yes, I have mirrors in my house. And they said, well, you couldn't possibly have looked in one of them this morning, or you wouldn't come to school looking like that. Oh, man. On the day that mm. she did her best to look. And that was the beginning of a full-out campaign to make Mary Jean's life miserable Yeah. for her whole sixth grade year. But she didn't confide that in me and this is key for parents because she was ashamed she thought there was something wrong with her Mm. that these popular girls would come down so she kind of hid that from you she did what are some of the signs that parents should be looking for i mean if you could roll that tape back or that time back there were some red flags what were they right um there was the wanting to sort of disappear so she went back to the big sweatshirts and the hair hanging in her face um, she did have her own friends in a family where you're watching your child doesn't seem to have friends, and yet, you know, this is a perfectly great kid. There's no reason why this should be happening. Um, there's a lot of alone time in the bedroom. Um, being a little bit snappy at home, changes in personality, changes in um, their schoolwork, sleep problems, stomach issues. Um, and that's true for boys as well as for girls. Um, they tend to be angry about it, and yet they can't do anything about it. So that frustration means at home where you're safe, you tend to lash out. And if that's not your child's usual M.O., it's worth looking into. How did you deal with it then? She didn't when, share that with you. What unfolded for her? When she finally did, of course, I wanted to go up to that school and wring some little shining twin necks. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I went into full-bore mother bear mode. And Mary Jean said, no, 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 don't do that. It will get worse. And Mm. so we did um, together try to work out how are you going to handle this. And by this time, it was the end of the school year. She decided to just tough it out. The next year when she started seventh grade, she said, you know what? This year, I'm going to find my thing. I'm going to make straight A's from here on out. And there was just over the summer, she just had this boost of confidence when but, when she was apart from them. Right, but it sounds like she had great resolve. She, she knew what she wanted to do. What about that child who doesn't have that well to go to? They're fragile emotionally. They they're changing. They're not confident. Sounds like your daughter had confidence, she, which is key. She did. And yet even that didn't prevent her from being bullied. Or and, feel and, the and pain feel of it. feel the pain. Oh, absolutely. But her response was solid. It was. When you have a fragile child, oh my 
goodness, the first thing we want to do is take them out of the school, go up there, talk to that principal, talk to those parents. What we really need to do is try to empower them. Let's make the first step trying to handle this yourself with me as your ally. Now, if there's physical bullying going on, all bets are off. Okay. Right. If it's truly safety. Interve- right, safety is absolutely key. Nancy, what's a good script then for me as a parent? If I've heeded the warning signs, I've seen, oops, something's going on, I need to have that conversation. How do I do that with a school where the teachers already have so much on them? Mm-hmm. Um, we keep it at home first. And we really ask our kids, okay, so something's going on here. You want to talk to me about this? I'm going to listen. I'm not going to interrupt. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I just want you to tell me the story. You may have to put some duct tape over your mouth, but you mm-hmm. need to just sit back and listen and let them tell you the story. And but you're being serious, sir. You're encouraging parents not to I am being serious. Do not interrupt. Back. Don't interrupt. Just let them talk. As a wife, and I'm sure you guys are both spouses, how many times have you just said, I-, I need to talk to you about something, and then immediately your spouse has the answer, and it's just infuriating because you really just need to vent? That's what they need to do in a place that's safe. Mm. Then when you respond, this is toughest for fathers when you have a son who's being bullied. It's tough for fathers not to say, well, don't be a wuss. Get in there. Give back that bully, you know, what he's given you. Don't let them do this to you. And then, of course, the shame just multiplies because then it's my fault, isn't it? It's my fault right. that I'm being bullied. So the first thing with boys and girls we need to respond with is, you know this isn't your fault, right? This says nothing about you and everything about those kids who are giving you a bad time. You are a good person. We're going to help you with this. We're going to be your ally. And Nancy, you touched on this. What are those next good steps? You don't want to put your child in worse danger. Exactly. Um, So how do you come up with the plan to deal with it tomorrow? I think we need to look um, to Jesus for this because the things that we say to our kids are not things that ever came out of Jesus's mouth. The first thing we want to say to them is we'll just ignore it. Ignoring it is not the answer, but you don't want to engage in it, okay? So you need to say, don't don't um, say, oh, yeah, well, then you're a, you know, and right. then we've got the whole thing going. Or why are you doing this to me? Why are you so mean to me? Because then you're feeding the bully. So we want to say, first of all, please don't feed the bullies, okay? So what do you say? Help them to find one-liners like, yeah, I'm a geek and proud of it. And then you walk away. It's always the one-liner, and then you walk away. My very favorite one is, really? You just said that to me? I thought you were better than that. Kind of put it right back on. Well, right, because what are they going to say? No, I am not better than that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right? Um, The second thing to tell them is do not let that bully know that this is getting to you. Mm. It's one of those fake it till you make it things. That doesn't go on forever. That's just the first step. And um, so with the So Not Okay program, which is for tween girls, we have part of our code is save the tears. You just say, really? You really think you can get to me with that? Then you go to the restroom with all the other girls, and then you cry. But you do not let that girl see you cry because that gives her power. Then, of course, we don't want them to always be faking it. We want them to actually feel like they have the power to be themselves. And so if you have a child who's really fragile and vulnerable, the long-term plan is to, what do you like to do? What are you good at? Let's get you into something where you can build that confidence so it really doesn't bother you as much. You notice that I'm not saying we need to change the bully. 
Right. Because we really can't. That child does not have the power to do that, and that's putting way too much pressure. You have to stop them. No, these are powerful kids. You just take back the power to be yourself. Isn't that what turning the other cheek is? It's not, okay, well, go ahead and bully me some more. It's, you hit me once, go ahead with your thing, but you're not getting to me with this. Hmm. I've got the power to be who I am. Nancy, in fact, you speak to uh, young people all the time, and Mm -hmm. you were at a Faith Girls event, and I believe uh, a young lady came up to you that caught your eye. She did. Uh, One of the things we did at the Faith Girls events was give away a free book to every girl who was there with her mom, even if she couldn't, so that if she couldn't afford to buy one, she could still come through the line and get one signed. And that was part of the deal is that at the end, every girl gets to come by and have a book signed. And sometimes you're talking about five or 600 girls. Oh, that will take a long time. It does. And, but it's just that yeah. You know, just that moment. Oh, and they're so vulnerable. Oh, at that and age. some of them can hardly speak. You would think that I was, you know, Garth Brooks for crying out loud. <laughs> um, so, one girl I recall, um, she had that hang dog look, yeah. you know, the hair hanging down. She didn't want to make eye contact. Her mom said, Well, go ahead and tell her your name. So, I said, What year are you? And well, I'm in middle school. I said, How's that going for you? Uh, and she just broke down. It's not yeah. good. It's not good. And she was just the typical target for no other reason than that she wasn't Susie trendy on trend was not her favorite prepositional phrase, you know, and and you could see that there was so much in there and she was really hurting. So I said, you know what, forget those girls who are being mean to you. You don't need them. Okay. Let's work on you. You find out what makes you tick, what makes you awesome. And you just focus on that. And this is one time when I will say, just pretend that they don't exist. You just work on you. And so the next year, it was a different town in Michigan, one of the close-by towns. I think one was Grand Rapids, one was, you know, Plymouth or something. And this girl comes through the line. And, of course, I met a lot of girls, so there was no way I was going to remember names. But she had this look like, I have got something I want to say to you. And she said, I have to tell you something. She said, this whole last year, after you talked to me last year, that's what I did. And now I have all these friends. And she said, it turned me around. It's all it took was one conversation of saying, be who you are Mm -hmm. in a society that says, oh, no, there's only one way you can be. That's a beautiful picture. And what you're giving that girl and what all of us as parents and adults, uh, you know, our our kids' friends, if they need it, is confidence. And that hopefully is rooted in Christ, right? I love that statement. Our confidence is in the Lord. Um, and if you can get a child moving in that direction, then mm-hmm. they're not looking for those other external exactly. um, uh, accolades and things. And we have to make that concrete for them, mm-hmm. that the whole Jesus did not say ignore it. Jesus did not say um, hit back. That's the old eye for an eye, right. tooth for a tooth. Jesus did not say hate that girl for the rest of your life because then we get into the forgiveness part of the whole thing, which really does change things. If we're saying to our kids, now, I know you, we don't want you to be best friends with these kids or even try to be their friends. They're not people you want to be friends with. But hating them and wanting revenge and wanting to get back at them is not a Jesus thing, and it's not going to help this at all. Because if we can talk about why, why do these kids do this? Something's going on in there. They're not just mean from birth. I've never seen a mean baby. Right. And uh, if we can talk to them about, let's pray you know, they'll get better. They'll heal. Let's not wish them any harm. It does change the dynamic deep inside because that, of course, is that's Jesus. 
Nancy talked about the ripple effect into a bully's life and helping our children understand the ripples that have come into a person's life, that they weren't born mean. And what a great concept to pray for a bully when you're being bullied. It changes your attitude and your perspective towards this person, a creation of God, even though there are issues and parents have to address that. That's a good starting point for a child to gain perspective and gain control over something. And then what I've seen in my practice in working with bullies, it is very true that there are layers and ripples that have come into a bully's life, and it makes sense how they're beginning to treat people the way they've been treated. Mm-hmm. And when you dig in with, with some of these bullies, they're really there's insecurity, there's anger, there's pain, there's hurt. And to have understanding of that from a bullied perspective is very important. Bullies, there's definite hope for them. Look at Paul in Scripture. Hmm. He was transformed by God's presence to become a person that was willing to be persecuted for God's name and loved God's people, where before he he uh, basically bullied them. There is hope when we have Christ in the middle of this, and certainly encourage your kids to pray for the bullied and the bully. Hmm. Well, you'll find ways to do that and other helpful articles and resources at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash ThrivingStudent. And while you're there, be sure to order a copy of Dr. Lehman's book, which we referenced earlier, When Your Kid is Hurting, and look for a series of articles that are written by experts like Nancy Rue called Bullies, which deals in specifics about situations your child may be facing. And there's another resource that you're going to appreciate. It's a free five-part video series called Best Year Ever, which addresses topics like safe social connections and building sexual intelligence in kids. Look for that on the website, and we'll link over to it. Well, next episode, we'll be helping you with another common issue that so many parents and children face in school. Strategies that work best for one kid may not work best for another is freeing to you. It can confuse the kids because it maybe looks like we're not fair. And I love to say to kids, you're not the same, so I don't treat you the same. That would be unfair. More of that interview with Dr. Kathy Cook about learning well in school. Uh, By the way, please help us spread the word about the Thriving Student Podcast. Uh, Tell your friends, uh, share about it on social media, and give us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. On behalf of Danny Huerta and our entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller. 